College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at one of 25 $1,000 savings plan deposits for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Look for the Save Now, Save Later giveaway under the scholarships page. Log on and register today. That's iowastudentloan.org. is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo right here, 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden, New York City. Big shout-out to everybody listening in the city of brotherly love, 1210 WPHT, Philadelphia. Now, I have a, an excerpt of an interview with Carrie Severino. She is Justice Clarence Thomas's law clerk, and now she's the president of the Judicial Crisis Network. She gave me some predictions on what she thinks will happen, and she was 100% right because the Supreme Court did, in fact, overturn Roe v. Wade as a result of a 6-3 decision in the Casey case and, excuse me, the Dobbs case, and a 5-4 decision to overthrow or overturn Roe v. Wade, and that happened on Friday morning. So that is the breaking news. Carrie, what I'd like you to explain is why the court won't actually give these decisions in person, why they're doing it kind of electronically, hitting a button, it going straight to the media, even though there are masses assembled outside of the court. Why is that not happening in person? Plus, I'd like your analysis on pending cases and what you ultimately think with everything overall. Carrie Severino, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, Yeah, it used to be that they would sit in the courtroom and they would announce the decision. They would read like a summary of it um, from the bench. That hasn't happened since COVID for any decision. So this is not the only one. This is, Mm -hmm. um, it's unfortunate. Not many people were ever there for them anyway, but for big cases like this, you would have people who'd want to be in the courtroom to hear it um, as it were, from the from the horse's mouth. But yeah. unfortunately, that's not what we, we only can watch it online, basically. And, and you just see, see them released on the website. Um, the big ones we're watching are, of course, the Dobbs abortion case. That's the one where we have a leaked opinion. I think at the end of the day, we're going to see something very similar to what the leaked opinion is. That was Alito's opinion for five justices that would that would overturn Roe and Casey. Those aren't following the Constitution and then say, you know what? The issue of abortion not addressed in the Constitution, therefore it gets addressed by the legislatures. So that means state legislatures, and in some cases the federal legislature could have a role in that as well. And then finally, another big one that's coming up is the the, uh, Coach Kennedy case. You may have heard of this one where he was a football coach who was praying on the football field after the games. Mm. He's a public school coach, and then he was uh, reprimanded and I, I believe ultimately fired by the school as a result of this behavior. And so the, the court, again, li- during the oral arguments, it sounded like they were very friendly to his arguments, the idea that simply praying in a, in a you know unofficial way, saying, I'm just going to go over here. You don't have to do it. There's no penalty if you don't. That is not enough to say you can fire someone. That's just the idea that the coach is praying isn't 
coercion. And this goes again back to this idea of what is establishing a religion? Is having a coach that just is known to be religious in some sense, is that somehow so coercive that it establishes a state religion? And I think that the, the, the court is going to come to the conclusion that no, it doesn't in that case. But that's another one that's outstanding. Outstanding. Now, quickly, uh, I'd love to get uh, just your synopsis of your book, Justice on Trial, the Kavanaugh Confirmation and the Future of the Supreme Court. Uh, I know you, it's, you, you wrote it in 2019. I haven't had a chance to read it. Tell me about it. Well, it's not too late because as we're seeing the craziness surrounding the Supreme Court and Justice Kavanaugh himself just never seems to end. Mm-hmm. Um, that really was you know, maybe one of the most salient instances of the intimidation of the court. The idea that, that Justice Kavanaugh was somehow so outrageous that there had to be this major campaign launched against his, his confirmation. And when we trace it back, most people only remember the crazy part at the end with the, the unsupported allegations of, of sexual misconduct when he was 17. Um, we, it goes way further than that. From the moment his name was mentioned, people were saying this guy is going to be like the end of democracy itself. It was so <laughs> over the top. It kind of puts everything else in context. Molly Hemingway and I uh, did so much research writing this book. We interviewed over 100 people um, from the president on down, and we, it was really fascinating to learn. And you can kind of see this pattern that we've see, been seeing since Robert Bork in the 1980s of, of just this attack on conservative justices. And the reason is they see that there's lead being put on target here. There, there are an increasing number of justices in the court who really are committed to interpreting the Constitution as it's written. And I think they saw in him another uh, problem for those people who want to use the court just as a political cudgel. And instead, you've got, you've got to get a justice who's actually going to look at what the law says. So I, I think it's always it's a, it's a story worthy of a, of a movie, really. It was such a dramatic thing. I think everyone who yeah. lived through it could le- still learn a lot <laughs> trying to read and, and see the inside details of what really was going on behind the scenes. Thank you, Carrie Severino, president of the Judicial Crisis Network, former law clerk to Justice Clarence Thomas at the Supreme Court. You can follow Carrie at JCN Severino with an S at JCN Severino. Now, that was expert commentary from Wednesday, spot on, right on the money. Friday afternoon, more breaking news. Justice Clarence Thomas says the United States should ban gay marriage after Roe v. Wade has been uh, returned or reversed, returned to the states. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas called on fellow jurists to overturn previous landmark rulings after the court nixed Roe v. Wade on Friday. The changes aired in a concurring opinion of the decision penned by Thomas. He says that this would see limits put on gay marriage, same-sex activity, and birth control access. It comes as the Supreme Court controversially elected to strike down Roe v. Wade, a nearly 50-year-old decision that allowed women to have abortions. This is according to the UK Daily Mail. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas revealed he has laws protecting gay marriage and contraception in his sights after axing Roe v. Wade. This is their words, not mine. Following Friday's landmark decision, Thomas called on his colleagues to look at these things. The prospective law changes released in a concurring opinion of the decision that was written by Thomas would see certain limits potentially put on gay marriage, same-sex activity. I guess that's the Texas case, that the sodomy case they looked at years ago, and citizens' access to birth control. Thomas's argument was built on the idea that since the Constitution's due process clause was not found to secure a right to an abortion in Friday's ruling, 
the court should apply the same logic to other landmark cases. He cited three in particular, including the 1965 Griswold versus Connecticut, which allowed for married couples to buy and use contraception, and 2015's Obergefell. I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. Obergefell? Obergefell. <laughs> uh, that's a tongue twister. O-B-E-R-G-E-F-E-L-L versus Hodges. Obergefell. Obergefell. Ah. You let me know on Twitter, at Rich Valdez with an S, how to say that. <laughs> that one got me. Which allowed same-sex couples to legally marry. And the biggest shocker here was Clarence Thomas's uh, bringing up Lawrence versus Texas from 2003, which ruled that you cannot have this century-old law against citizens who commit sodomy. Because all of them have to do with this fundamental right to privacy that was built on Roe. And Roe being overturned in the Dobbs v. Jackson case opens the door to all of this new litigation. This is in part why those in the dissent like Justice Sotomayor and others were taking exception, saying if you reverse this one thing, the whole house of cards could come crumbling down. So I don't know if that is, for some people, a detriment. For me, I say kudos. I mean, those laws don't really affect me so much. Maybe that's my selfish, myopic view, but I say I think it's a victory for America. You let me know what you think, at Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media, and that's Rich Valdez with an S. All right, straight ahead, we're going to have reactions from a few people like Nancy Pelosi, Maxine Waters, and Joe El Baboso Biden on what's going on with respect to their feelings and how they are reacting to Roe versus Wade being overturned. And after that, a conversation with former director of special operations for the Drug Enforcement Administration, Derek Maltz. He's going to tell us what's going on with fentanyl and how they're using Snapchat as a way to recruit teenagers to buy fake pills laced with fentanyl. Don't miss that. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at one of 25 $1,000 savings plan deposits for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Look for the Save Now, Save Later giveaway under the scholarships page. Log on and register today. That's iowastudentloan.org. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. At Baker's, we work with local farms right in our own backyard to bring you food that's fresher than fresh. From homegrown watermelon that makes your mouth water to crisp corn picked right around the corner. Come pick out some yourself because shopping for local produce should be as easy as shopping at your local Baker's. Baker's, fresh for everyone. And now shop what you love and save $2 on each participating item when you buy three or more with your card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. The 
45th President Donald Trump thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good. Yeah. an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Big shout out to everybody on 1210 WPHT and Joe El Baboso Biden. That's right, Mr. President himself. He came out and he had a few words of wisdom. Now, these are the words of wisdom of Joe Biden back in 2006 when he was speaking about abortion. I want you to hear this because it's interesting. I, I do not view abortion as a uh, um, as a choice and a right. I think it's always a tragedy, and I think that uh, it should be uh, rare and safe. And I think we should be focusing on how to limit the number of abortions, and they ought to be able to have a common ground and consensus as to do that. Oh wow! So you want to limit them? It's a tragedy, and you don't view abortion as a choice or a right. It's always a tragedy. That's interesting. That's 2006, Joe Biden, ladies and gentlemen, because Joe Biden, uh, now that he's president, now that he is uh, in the White House, has a totally different song to sing. Listen to this one. It's not hyperbole to suggest a very solemn moment. It's very solemn. Today, the Supreme Court of the United States expressly took away a constitutional right from the American people that it had already recognized. They didn't limit it. They simply took it away. That's never been done to a right so important to so many Americans. But they did it. It's a sad day for the court and for the country. Fifty years ago, Roe v. Wade was decided and has been the law of the land since then. This landmark case protected women's right to choose, her right to make intensely personal decisions with her doctor, free from the, inter- from the interference of politics. It reaffirmed basic principles of equality, that women have the power to control their own destiny, and it reinforced a fundamental right of privacy, the right of each of us to choose how to live our lives. To choose how to live our lives. I guess that is what we're doing when we're choosing how to live our lives and giving that choice to live a life is what we're doing for the fetus, the baby, whatever you want to call it. The nomenclature, irrespective of, of how you want to call it, now has that right to live in, in, in many ways. Right. I mean, obviously, if you're in a, in a pro-abortion state, you're still going to get an abortion. But it's so interesting to see the flip flop between Joe Biden. Let me see if I can play that again. Joe Biden. Can we cue that up? Joe Biden in 2006 versus today where, you know, it's a solemn day in America because now women no longer have rights. It's almost as if women have been canceled because of abortion. You can't be a woman unless you can kill a baby in your womb. Listen to Joe Biden back in 06. I, I do not view abortion as a uh, um, as a choice and a right. I think it's always a tragedy. And I think that uh, it should be uh, rare and safe. And I think we should be focusing on how to limit the number of abortions. And they ought to be able to have a common ground and consensus as to do that. Now, Joel Baboso Biden is not the only one. You've got, what's her name? Mad Maxine, right? I didn't make that one up. But that's what they call her on these streets right here because Mad Maxine got really, really upset with Joe El Baboso Biden because she says, you know what? You're going to hear from all of us. Check this out. You see this turnout here? You ain't seen nothing yet. Women are going to control their bodies no matter how they try and stop us. 
the hell with the Supreme Court. We will defy them. Women will be in control of their bodies. And if they think black women are intimidated or afraid, they got another thought coming. Boom, they got another thought coming. Now, what's interesting here is I do believe that she is calling it right here. Not not that I agree with her. I just believe that many states are going to say, screw you, Supreme Court. I don't like it. A lot of Democrat governors are going to declare themselves sanctuary states, and they're just going to say, you know what, we're going to have as many abortions as we want. We're not going to do it. I even think that that may even happen in New York with the uh, concealed carry. And even though she publicly said... We're going to follow the rule as best we can, blah, blah, blah. I'm pretty sure they're going to say, if you're in New York State, you're in a gun-free zone, so your your right to carry isn't allowed. Now, I know uh, in the uh, Thomas um, opinion, it says that you can't do that, but I think they're going to have some of these challenges. That's just my thought. And I spoke with John Lott on that, and he uh, agreed that that was probably the case, that they were going to try and limit it, although they would probably lose because it was kind of expressly laid out in the decision. So we're going to see how that goes. But clearly the Democrats are becoming unhinged, very upset with the breaking news from Friday morning that Roe v. Wade has been reversed. There is no constitutional right to an abortion based on this uh, made up notion that you have to have some sort of that it's based on a right to privacy, which it was not. They're not saying you don't have a right to privacy. They're saying that you that this law was bad law and they've reversed it as such because it wasn't constitutional. And Straight ahead, something of equal importance. I believe this fentanyl crisis is something we have to pay attention to. And the former Special Operations Division Director for the United States Department, excuse me, Division, no, Drug Enforcement Administration, uh, Derek Maltz, he was a former special agent as well. He's going to break it down and tell us what's going on with fentanyl and how teenagers are getting it through social media. Don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. The 45th President Donald Trump thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good. It's an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And our guest is Derek Maltz. He's a former director of special operations at the DEA. And there's a lot going on with drug enforcement in America. As you know, we, earlier we talked with uh, one of our guests talking about how crazy the border crisis is going. And while we're going to get a, we have a news report that I wanted to play for you, but the, the gist of it is that there's an unprecedented number of fentanyl coming across the border. And that seems to be the new drug of choice, that and, and, and methamphetamines. And these, these drugs are killing people, but they're not just, you know, your average junkie on the street. I mean, these things are killing people that are unsuspecting through counterfeit drugs. So I want to get to the bottom of that. Derek Maltz, welcome to the program. How you doing, Rich? Nice to be on the program tonight. 
Oh, thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us. So I, I know that this is what you do. This is what you talk about. This is what you're an expert in. And I really want to let you take the floor here because this is something I think people hear about and we get a we get a little news bite, on, you know, on the news and then it's over. Nobody knows what's going on. And I can tell you that this came to my attention years ago. I worked in state government. And at that time, and this is 2011, uh, at that time, the, the amount of fentanyl deaths had like quadrupled. I worked for the state of New Jersey. And at that time, they were saying that one of the number one points of entry was the port of Newark and the port of Elizabeth, and that they were coming in through containers. And at that time, it wasn't the border that was like the principal source, at least as what we were told in this training we were in with folks from the DEA. And uh, shortly after that, 2012, 2013, this just blew up. And we went from uh, several hundred overdose deaths related to to uh, fentanyl to, to it's in the thousands now coming out of every state. So I know that this is something that hits home and hits people personally. One time I was on the phone for something work related, talking to somebody and he told me that his kid had taken experimenting with, I think it was Xanax or something like that. It ended up being made out of fentanyl and, and lamentably he passed away. So Derek Maltz, tell us what's going on. Well, thank you, Richard. And I appreciate this uh, discussion because it's a frightening trend that's going on around America. It's not just one area and it's impacting all American families. It's not just the rich or the poor it's like the tribal leaders in Montana declared a state of emergency a couple of weeks ago. What we have now is something we've never seen in the history of the country. As far as I'm concerned, and I've been following this very closely, I work with the families on a regular basis that have lost loved ones. We have a chemical weapon attack against our future generation. We're losing 295 kids a day. And you know what? That's a very low number because the morgues and the coroner's offices the medical examiners, they can't keep up with the dead bodies. I mean, just to give you an example, Richard, like Will County, Illinois, last Monday on the June 6th, it was, they lost 10 people, 24-hour period. They lost three more later in the week. And I think so far in the month of June, they lost 16 people dead. In, in D.C., Washington, D.C., we had 29 suspected opioid overdoses in two days last, you know, June 8th to June 10th. El Paso, Texas, we had nine in a 24-hour period. I could go on and on and on. But the thing is, is what people don't realize is like the DEA administrator, who's also the former attorney general of New Jersey, Ann Milgram, she put out that the DEA last year alone seized enough fentanyl to kill every American. It was 20 million pills and 15,000 pounds of fentanyl. And for the listeners that don't understand, it's like four grains of salt in your hand. If that was fentanyl, it could kill you. One sweet and low packet, which is one gram, that could potentially kill 500 Americans. And so we have a very dangerous national security partnership between the Mexican cartels, as far as I'm concerned, are a terrorist organization. They've killed more Americans than any other terrorist organization in the history of the country. And they're working with the Chinese transnational criminals. And so right now, the Chinese Criminals are taking on a more comprehensive role in not only drug distribution and manufacturing of chemicals, but the money laundering. The money laundering is huge. Like years ago, Richard, you probably remember, you know, it was it was Hispanic money laundering going on. You know, they'd send up the operatives from South America or Mexico, mm -hmm. Central America. 
They pick up money. They launder it through the banks. Now we have the Chinese students running around our country picking up millions of dollars, and they're laundering the money instantly over their their uh, encrypted apps and their Chinese, you know, WeChat, for an example. They're moving money, and the money then is getting back to the Mexican cartels in record speed. So we have a, an explosive situation with a tsunami of not only, I'm glad you mentioned methamphetamine. Last year alone, they seized 190,000 pounds of fentanyl at the southwest border. The fentanyl, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, let me, let me say that again, mm-hmm. methamphetamine. They seized 11,000 pounds of fentanyl. And so we have record levels of seizures. So what does that tell you, Richard? If you're seizing 190,000 pounds of meth, what the hell is getting into this country? Another good example, I always tell every, anyone I talk to, because it's a very simple illustration. The DEA in Phoenix in 2015, they seized zero fake Mexican oxy pills, the deadly fentanyl pills. In 2021, they seized 12 million pills. So it went from zero to 12 million seized. On one day in December, they seized 1.7 million pills working with the state and local police. So we have a situation that I'll repeat over and over again. It's never happened before. The mainstream media is not talking about it. President Biden, our Congress, our vice president, our borders are. They don't go down to the border. They don't talk about this stuff. And American families are suffering. And it's not just, like you said very appropriately, it's not just these, you know, drug-addicted people that have had issues for years. These are sometimes 13-year-old kids getting on their social media in their bedrooms at night never use drugs in their life, order up one pill on Snapchat or Instagram, and their parents are finding them dead in the bedrooms. And how do I know that? Because I talk to the families every day. I'm supporting thousands of families around the country trying to spread the awareness because they have no voice. Nobody's listened to them because there's a stigma about drug use. But this is poisonings. These are not overdoses. We're trying to change the conversation because when people think overdose, it's a totally different perception than a poisoning. This is what's happening. The cartels are making these pills. They're making the fentanyl. They're mixing it in, all these drugs, heroin, meth, cocaine, and they're pushing it into the streets of America at record levels, and they're making billions of dollars. Now, Derek Maltz, you mentioned a few things, and you were rapid fire, and they were all excellent points, and I want to take them apart a little bit, because one of the things that you talked about was, A, that the cartels are making the drugs. I saw a report here that says that these Counterfeit pills are being produced in Mexico with the same stamps and markings as regular pills, and they're making their way into the hands of regular people like college kids that may want to study for an exam, buy an Adderall, wherever they're going to buy it, and the next thing you know, they're dead. And it's not that they're overdosing, although they're technically overdosing, but it's because they're taking the wrong stuff because they're being poisoned. Am I getting it right so far? Right. So the Mexican cartels have a very, very strategic and deceptive marketing campaign right now, and they're targeting our kids. Great example is about three weeks ago, Ohio State University during finals week, two young students, I think 21 years old, they died because they took what they thought was Adderall, and it was fentanyl pills, fentapills, we call them. So kids think they're taking a legitimate Xanax or Percocet, an Oxycontin, an Adderall. And in fact, it's, it's actual fentanyl made in these labs, these filthy, dirty labs in Mexico, 
coming right over our open border. We have like just volumes of this stuff, like a tsunami of fentanyl hitting the streets and our kids don't know what they're taking. Look at look what happened in May on a spring break. Some cocaine, what they thought was cocaine, oh. and there were like five or six overdoses. They all went to the hospital and it became breaking news in the country because it was cadets. But that's happening everywhere in right. America. This is uh, definitely a problem. I'm, I'm looking at it. I mean, it's it's everywhere. Uh, I'm looking at one article here from Riverside, California, where the DA's office grabbed 40,000 pills that are fake um, oxys. They got fake oxys. They're actually fentanyl. They, they were able to grab these, saying that they're worth more than a million and a half dollars on the street. But it makes you think, what? What happens when you don't get these and right? The DEA isn't able to interdict these things. And the next thing you know, they're in the hands of the public. So I'll give you another example. Very important. The DEA lab analysis of all these fake pills that they seized, what they have determined and have put out publicly that 40 percent of the pills that they analyze contain a potentially lethal dose of fentanyl. So. Like I gave you the example, last year alone, DEA seized 20 million of these fake pills. Mm -hmm. Times that by 40%. That's how many potential deaths could have occurred to DEA's work. And then if you add in all the work being done at the border and all these other police departments, like you just said, California and New York and everywhere else, they seized a ton of fentanyl in New York City last year alone. Mm. We are being bombarded. And by the way, I'm not sure if you know this, but... Just last week, a bipartisan movement in Congress between Lauren Boebert from Colorado and right. Tim Ryan from Ohio, they put forth a resolution to declare fentanyl a weapon of mass destruction with the families against fentanyl. That's how serious, serious this is. And you know what? I'm glad they're thinking outside the box because, like you said, this is the poisoning of so many Americans. Now, I want to go to the phones. We have a caller calling in from Idaho. Let's go to Rand. Rand, you're on with Derek Maltz and Rich Valdez. Welcome. Thank you for letting me visit. Wonderful program. I just uh, wanted to say how moved I was by the fact that we're addressing this as poisoning. This is an attack. As a teacher who has lost students, uh, I can tell you that it's painful and then we have to call it what it is and i like that fact being brought forward you know it's poison this is an attack folks and yeah. i think we need to see it as that do everything we can to educate our young you know those are bad odds i think i heard 40 percent of them uh, lethal dose 40 60 don't play those odds we need to yeah. educate our kids more and face it for what it is thank you you're welcome, Rand. Thank you for your call. Thank you, and I'm sorry for your loss. And the terrorist cartels are poisoning Americans with counterfeit drugs. Let's go to John in Florida. John, you're on with Rich Valdez and our guest, Derek Maltz, former director of special operations at the DEA. Welcome. Yes, Mr. Valdez, you and your guests are doing a fabulous job. Thank you. Yes. Uh, my question is this. How long does this fentanyl uh, weapon of mass destruction, this chemical attack on America from the Chinese and the cartels. How long until some of these fake pills find their way into our actual pharmaceutical system? That's an God excellent forbid. question. Thank yeah. you. so. You're right. God forbid yeah. is right. Thank you so much for that, John. Well, uh, Derek Maltz, go right ahead. Great question. I mean, I could tell you after 9-11, we were very concerned about that when we started seeing a shift of a lot of purchasing of pharmaceutical drugs online in the dark web. And we were concerned that al-Qaeda and the Taliban and other terrorists would start poisoning 
the drug supply. In 2006, we found our first lab in Mexico, uh, the Sinaloa cartel, working with Chinese chemists, started producing fentanyl, and we saw deaths all over the middle of America. And that kind of went away for several years. Then it started popping up again, 2011, 2012, 13. And now we've been inundated with these deaths. So the president of the United States will say that the drug crisis is an unusual and extraordinary threat to our national security. But yet he will not answer the question, then why is the border wide open? The border czar is supposed to fix this problem at the direction of the president, and she doesn't even go down there. So the country's being inundated not only with these illegal migrants, but the poisonous drugs and the cartels are making billions and our kids and families are suffering. Yeah. Now, Derek Maltz, uh, with the remaining minutes that we have, I'd love for you to give us a, a wrap up. Tell us how people can find you and follow the work that you're doing and what, what we can expect coming from you moving forward. I have a YouTube channel. I have a national security public safety group on Facebook. I'm on Getta, Truth Social. So my name's kind of, uh, you know, unique name so you could find me. But really what we have to do as a country is we have to unite. This is not a red or a blue issue. It's a red, white and blue issue. So the politicians have to come together in a bipartisan way and start educating America. We need public service announcements so all our kids and our schools and our professors, educators learn about what's going on. Because right now, most of them are clueless. That No one's telling them. Mainstream media is not covering it. We need to shut down these chemical weapon production labs in Mexico with or without the Mexican government. If that means sending missiles into these labs, we need to do it because our kids are more important. We need to shut down and put pressure on China for the chemicals that they're sending to Mexico to make these poisonous drugs. And we need to shut down the money going back to the cartels because without the money, without the chemicals, they can't make the poison. So we have to be way more aggressive and treat this like a national security emergency instead of some overdose of some poor drug addict. And that's not what this is. There's recreational users, there's first-time users that are dying instantly, and our communities are devastated. So we need to all come together. We need celebrities, professional athletes coming up and talking about this so the kids will follow it. Right now, the kids don't know about it. 100% right. Everybody, that's Derek Maltz. He's a former special agent with the DEA and director of their special operations division. You can follow him on Twitter at Derek Maltz at D-E-R-E-K-M-A-L-T-Z underscore S-R on Getter and the rest of the social media. Derek Maltz, thank you so much. Keep up the good work. This is America. This is America. He's brown, he's bald, and he's breaking it down. This is America with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. This is the final stretch right here. So we've heard from a few people today. We've heard from uh, Carrie Severino. She was a law clerk to Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. We also heard from Derek Maltz, who's a special agent, uh, first hired special agent and uh, division director of special operations. We also heard from Joe El Baboso Biden himself, 
uh, on two occasions, right, in 2006, plus his um, new version of how this is wrong. It's the, it's the war against women. Everything is horrible. What an amazing week it's been. We had big, big cases coming out of the Supreme Court. There's rallies. They're saying that there's going to be violence. They're calling for, uh, what is it, a, a night of rage, Jane's Revenge, and the other group. What is the name of the other group? Ruth sent us that have been doxing the Supreme Court justices. Uh, the other group claimed responsibility for firebombing the uh, pro-life clinic in Buffalo, New York, and this other legislator's office and a couple of other places. This is pretty serious. This is how the left reacts. They like to firebomb. They've never met a Molotov cocktail they didn't love. Yet, here we are in the same boat that we've been in. Things have gotten a little bit better thanks to President Trump making these appointments having the ability to put together a slate of justices that are textualists and, um, and strict uh, constructionists, if you will. And I'm, I'm happy about that. I'm happy to see that we're making headway on some of the right cases that the courts looked at. But as long as we have a far left that are extremists that hate guns and want to take them away from us, as long as we have a, a fringe left wing that loves a Molotov cocktail and firebombs, then we're going to have a lot to, to work with on our hands, right? Because ultimately, Joe Biden is still bankrupting America. The economy is still the economy, right? Stupid. That's what they said to us. And, and it's the truth. Paychecks are still shrinking. Grocery store bills are still going up. None of that stuff has changed. With, even with the gas tax holiday and all of that stuff, people are spending more to fill up their car and are earning less as a result of all of it. Your bills are costing more. Everything is costing more. Biden's massive spending and then his willingness to spend more money to get out of it is going to bring continued problems. I think we haven't even seen the hilt of everything just yet. There's more to come. Sadly, this is a but wait, there's more scenario. This is a problem. Every time there's a new number that comes out, it's the new highest number in 40 years. I think both Democrat and Republican, we need to get together and realize it's time to get rid of Biden. It's time to ditch the left. The left wing of the Democrat Party is not doing any favors for any American. There is no discount for you if you're a Democrat when you go to the gas pump. Now, of course, there's a whole bunch of Democrats that say, well, you know what? I don't go to the, the gas pump because I ride a bike or, you know, I, uh, I have an electric car. All right. So those, you know, one percent of Americans that have an electric car, they're not going to be able to dictate the way the rest of us live, are they? I don't think so, because to me, it's a nightmare scenario when you look far out as far as the eye can see and all you see is a sea of people and they all look like AOC and Bernie Sanders. That is a nightmare scenario. That's not where America needs to be. So what do we have to do? We've got to get slick. We've got to get with it. We have to get on our game and we have to start making a difference politically. And I know in Philly and in New York and in a lot of places, there, there's a growing movement in Philly. They're, they're making moves to get rid of Larry Krasner. That's fantastic. And that needs to continue because fighting back against the pro-crime progressive DAs, these prosecutors that refuse to prosecute crime, that's a step in the right direction. School boards and making sure that you're taking back little by little what they've been taking away from you little by little. Their theory of incrementalism has been flying in the face of parental rights and liberty for decades. The teachers unions have really run amok and have, in my opinion, were started. I can't even say that they were started for an altruistic motive because it seems like the Soviets always knew that they would take over these teachers unions 
way, way back then, they had a movement afoot to get into labor unions, like in 1900. So for at least the last 120 years, they've been the target. This didn't start yesterday, but we're seeing the culmination of, of over a century of hard work on behalf of a communist sympathizing teachers union. And that's pretty much across the country. And if I'm offending somebody's sensibilities, forgive me. No, don't forgive me. <laughs> I'm not taking it back. I think the teachers unions are corrupting the classroom. They're not doing anything for students. And they say they're looking out for teachers. But really what they're doing is creating a political army of influencers. And that's it. And that's why you've got people in California that show up to, to teach with a hammer and a sickle on their shirt. That's why you walk into the classroom and you see people like Chairman Mao and other famous communist figures. These are the problem. These collectively, these are the problems that we're dealing with, and we have to focus on that stuff. Otherwise, we're screwed. The response that followed Nancy Pelosi's remarks, which were a tearjerker, well, you know, again, she came out there holding her eye and stretching herself a little bit, fanning her eyeballs so that they wouldn't tear up, but basically she was so upset that she'd lost so much power. Say, it's a woman's right, it's a dark day, it's right? I'm not even going to play that audio, but I am going to play the audio of Elise Stefanik. Can you cue that up so we can play it? She's the Republican conference leader, and she gave her remarks. As you know, she is uh, uh, expecting mom and, and just had a baby, and she is um, just terrific. Listen to this. I am honored to be here today with my fellow House Republican colleagues. Today's historic Supreme Court decision is a victory for the sanctity of life. It will save countless innocent children. House Republicans are incredibly grateful for the pro-life movement's tireless efforts for decades leading to this day to give a voice to the voiceless and protect our most vulnerable, unborn babies. As a new mom, I know there is nothing more extraordinary than the miracle of life. Hearing Sam's heartbeat for the first time, I'm going to cry, was the greatest blessing and gift for our family. And I stand unified with my Republican colleagues in protecting and promoting the right to life. Now, I think that's a fantastic remark because I, I agree with her position. So, yes, I'm biased in that regard. But I think it's great that she's celebrating something, not trashing the nation. Every time these people had a victory, I don't think Republicans got up and said, you know what, we're going to trash the nation. No, we trashed the people that were responsible and the decision in and of itself. And that's what we went after was this decision. They went to court. They fought it. They won. It was overturned. So I think it's, it's all about the approach. And sometimes, for me, this is a testament in not giving up. You know, 49 years of struggle, 49 years of fighting. Jane Rowe's attorney, her name was Norma McCorvey. I interviewed her attorney. And he's been in this fight for, for many years. And recently, he's also um, one of the lawyers on the Dobbs case. And I spoke with him on uh, a show that I guess hosted at, at night, a syndicated show, the Jim Bohannon show. And it was an amazing interview. We talked for about a half hour. And if you want to check it out, you can. You'll find that on my social media. But the um, it was the content of the conversation and the, the effort that he put forward to me that was most remarkable. Same thing with guys that stuck to their guns, both literally and figuratively, to fight for their right to a Second Amendment, to carry a gun, to say, you know what, it's not enough for me to keep a gun inside of my house, but I, I, have a, I deserve a right to my Second Amendment without you saying that I need, quote-unquote, proper cause or a good reason. So now millions of Americans are going to have an opportunity to conceal carry as st states like New York and others that have restrictive gun rights uh, Philadelphia um, is going to see an increase. They've already seen an increase in concealed carry permits, the majority of which were women, by the way. 
So I think we're going to see a total change in things. And I believe, based on the data and the science from my conversation, again, with um, uh, the president of the Crime Prevention Research Center, Dr. John Lott, he says that crime goes down where more people have guns. And I've always said an armed society is a polite society. So I believe that this is a good thing for America. It's a good thing for humanity as a whole. Um, call me crazy and let's see what happens in a couple of years. If in a few years you come back and you say, oh, my gosh, people are killing each other willy-nilly, getting into fender benders and just shooting people dead, while that may happen here and there, I don't think it's going to be the norm because guns have been around forever, and in places where they're allowed, these things don't happen on a regular basis. But we do see people getting shot like shooting fish in a barrel when you know the bad guy has a gun and they can count on you not having one. That is a problem that we have to address. And this is why I always say we have to stand up. We have to stand for something. You got to know what you're talking about and know what you're standing for. Because if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. That's Hamilton. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. That's Lord Acton, by the way, and Sir Edmund Burke. That quote's attributed to both of those men. And I think it's a very apropos quote for such a time as this. Anyway, make sure you check me out Saturdays at noon right here on 1210 WPHT, Sunday mornings at 6 a.m., bringing you the latest of what's going on before the Sunday shows. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, America. I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. 